You're listening to Metal Matters, the official weekly Gimme Metal podcast. Welcome to another action-packed episode of Gimme Metal. This week, I present to you part two of the God In podcast. Last year, they released an incredible album called Beyond Darkness, and uh, that was number two on my personal list, and also featured pretty high on Randy's list of our uh, 2020 year-end superlatives. And um, I, yes, true, we had Steph Flam on as a guest, and uh, I think that there is more to the story that you know Stefan mentioned that uh, the band is more of like the drawing of the three between him, who is uh, actually you know the, the sort of guiding voice in the band, Tony Panisi, who has uh, also plays a big part in the concept of the band, and vocalist Vas Callas. And uh, yeah, I tracked those two people down, and we talked more about the band, its uh, inception, and the five-year journey that culminated in Beyond Darkness. So here we go. First up, we got Tony Panisi, and then uh, I'm going to talk to uh, Voss, and I hope you guys enjoy this episode. When I first discovered the band, someone had had just sort of dropped it on me and uh i didn't know the backstory but immediately i was like yeah this is like right up my alley you know like i could hear i'm like yeah it sounds like celtic frost and uh and winter and uh tryptocon and then it found out that uh you know the reason why it sounds like winter is because it is two of us because it's two of the guys from the band are in in this band so we we, i've seen lots of reviews and most of them i'm happy to say were very positive over the last few months since it was released and a lot of them make that uh, comparison they mentioned the celtic frost slash tryptocon connection you know yeah no definitely and we're uh, kind of flattered by that because we are fans you know obviously i've been listening to celtic since the early 80s you know have you heard of evoking Evoking? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're nice uh, guy, John. Yeah, John. John's a, a friend of mine too, and um, I'm a huge fan of theirs. And they they've got another long, you know, multi-decade uh, career actually of great music. I hope so. Yeah. So uh, let me talk about how um, the ba- the record and the band sort of you know, the genesis of all that, because I was speaking to Steph and um, he's like, oh, you have to talk to Voss and Tony because it's like kind of the, the triumvirate of three people coming together to create this thing. So I guess we were the three principles in the whole thing, I would say, you know, yeah. Uh, I did a lot in this. I have a lot of input in this particular album on winter. I played the keyboards on a handful of the songs, as you know, right. And I used basically well, maybe one, maybe two instruments. It's so long ago. It's 30 plus years now, you know. And I know I'm still using one of those instruments, the exact same one, in fact. And it gives, it gives it has a, it's unique sound, you know. But I'm using other stuff as well now. But I'm keeping it all in the organ and strings uh, idiom, if you will. Yeah. No piano or anything like that, you know. Because the sound is so heavy, I, I, I feel like these keyboards are the ones that will keep it that way, you know, and enhance wherever it needs enhancement. 
and add to it, you know, some ambient, you know, just background, mood, you know, atmosphere. You know, that's what I'm sort of into. One of the uh, reviewers was nice enough to say that the string parts seemed to be seemed to be classical in origin, and that was high praise, you know, for me at least, because I listen to that stuff. I've been listening to it all my life. You know, even film scores and TV scores and such. You know, I have favorite composers outside the rock genre, and you know, mostly for the for that stuff, for strings and orchestral effects. You know, and uh, I've always loved that kind of music and listen to it to this day, as well as all the metal and the rock and the classics and all that kind of stuff. You know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's one of the things I picked up on. Um, after uh, you know digesting the record for the last several months, is that there is a cinematic quality to the music, like it's a, uh, yeah. a soundtrack to a film that is yet to be created in some ways. And some of the adjectives people had used in these reviews was very flattering, at least to me. I'm sure Steph feels the same way, and so does Voss. Uh, I mean, the words biblical came up. Uh, oh my gosh, I was stunned, you know, just to see this. Actually, the manifestations, those interstitial pieces, as I think you said, that was a good word, I thought. Those manifestations are kind of peppered throughout, you know, between the songs. They're well, not very long. And, and that lends, lends itself to what I was saying. Like, one of the, the suspicions yeah. that I had was that there was, like, a, an overarching, like, theme to the record. And, uh, you know, right. all of those, those little pieces kind of lace all the songs together. And... Mm -hmm. When I finally got a chance to, st to uh, speak with Steph, you mentioned that uh, you were a, uh, a principal component in writing, like the lyrics. Yeah, well, I wrote all the manifestations. Yes. And, and I wrote the, these, did Steph did all, does all the music. Right. I mean, I compose and play all the keyboard parts, and he kind of gives me free reign to do whatever I'm feeling, you know, the music requires, what it calls for. And we've been doing this a long time, so, you know, he kind of likes what I do, which is nice, you know. I appreciate it. Uh, I wrote all those manifestations, and I wrote uh, the song Com Suser Tot also. Uh, I did three stanzas, or quatrains, if you will, in English. And since that piece, for me, was inspired by J.S. Bach, which is a very big person in my musical canon, uh, I thought it would be uh, in nice uh, deference to him, so to speak, to put the final quatrain in German. And Voss had seen this, and she really liked it, and asked Steph to ask me if she could add a little more in German, which I said, sure, go right ahead. So it turns out she added two more stanzas in German. So now we've got three English and three German, and you know there are now six stanzas or quatrains in that song. And then she did the song Winter as well in, in German. Yeah. And I like the German language in there because it sort of upratchets the metal thing a little bit, at least in my opinion. You know, uh, it came out well. I was very pleased with what she wound up doing with the rest of that song. And then she did Winter as well, like I say, also in German, in the German language. But my original inspiration was J.S. Bach to put that final quatrain in German. And she liked it and was flattering, you know. And like I said, I have a lot of input in this and, uh, I actually came up with the, uh, the, actual, the title because I figured if winter should be into darkness, why not beyond darkness now with God? You know? Yeah, Steph touched on that, and I think and that's I, a you know, cool the, concept. Uh, it's a definitely the, I even I started writing another uh, sort of a tangential uh, 
continuation, maybe I could say, of the manifestations. And uh, that's sort of being planned for the next thing. Nice. And, uh, yeah, this, I wrote a whole piece on it already, and I went into a whole other direction. It's in keeping with the main concept, but I went off on a tangent, as I said, and he liked it, and she likes it, and our artist likes it, so I'm going to try to do something with it, you know, and see where it takes us. We're already into a few songs on the new thing, too. I mean, I'm assuming it's going to be a new, another album. We sure want to do one, you know, and... Uh, I don't see why we won't. We have all the equipment here in my house still. Nothing's been changed. You know, me and Steph own all the stuff that's down there. All the keyboards, the drums, the amps, the booth. And uh, he brings the uh, music down and, you know, we add the other stuff, the drums, the keyboards. And that's it, you know. And I wanted to keep it basically to organ, which is my main instrument, and strings, which I love. And I try to orchestrate the strings, you know, accordingly, you know, where they bring as much you know, I don't know, depth or atmosphere, let's say, to the music, you know, I think possibly can. That's pretty much it. So I think all my influences of the past are sort of coming into play here. And it's, you know, a lot of heavy rock stuff and some obscure bands, you know, classical music, film and TV, you know, scores and such. And that's pretty much where I'm at, you know, always been. Well, that brings up a couple things, and the first thing I want to ask you is, uh, you know, with all this classical influence, I mean, I'm assuming that you have, like, a, like some kind of schooled background in... Uh, in uh, I, I took, uh, I actually had lessons way back. As you, Steph must have told you, I'm a bit older than they are. I always called myself uh, Old Man Winter, you know? <laughs> old Man Winter. But, but, me, but meanwhile, I, you know, my... my you know, my love of music goes back to five or six years old, as far back as I can remember, uh, when I was first uh, brought to church, again, as a Roman Catholic. Uh, and when I was, uh, we were fortunate enough to have this beautiful cathedral as our parish uh, church, and even more fortunate to have a real 19th century pipe organ in there. And the man that played it had a baritone voice, which was unbelievable. So the combination of his voice as he played the pipe organ just sent chills right up my back when I was a kid. And I've loved it ever since and wanted to learn to play that instrument. You see? So yeah. that's where that all started. I did have some formal training. Not much, though. Way back in the very late 60s into the early 70s. But I gave it up because people were asking me, you know, to be in bands with them. Other, you know, friends and high school friends and such. They had already been doing guitar or bass or drums for a year or two. You know, we were all still kids, really. And they saw that I had all this equipment, you know, the Hammond organ and all the rest of it. I think I was one of the very first, if not the first in my area, to buy two mini Moog synthesizers, if you even know what those are. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. That's yeah. Classic. I mean, all the great progressive bands used them. I mean, everybody from Emerson to Rod Argent, Rick Wakeman, all of those guys. So I was like the first on my block, so to speak, you know. I got one, and then I got another. And I had about, oh my God, I must have had about eight keyboards. I still have them all, too. I have them all. And there have been a few more added since. So I have a whole arsenal, really. And I've played with a lot of interesting people, too, Mike, I must say. You might want to know this. Yeah, yeah. Actually, Steph uh, previewed me on that. So, uh, you, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, a, it's almost a who's who of uh, stuff I grew up with. Well, sort to. of. You know, I don't, I'm not tooting my horn, of course, but yeah. I thought it might be interesting to yeah. say. I'm, 
one of I'm very good friends with Vince from the Vanilla Fudge. He's the guitarist. Uh, Vince Martell lives in Jersey. I played with the members of a group called Sir Lord Baltimore, who yeah. only recently have begun to gain some recognition, uh, you know, in the metal world because they basically were a metal band before it was called that. Just as Black Sabbath was metal before it was called that. Right. Yeah. When those bands came out in 1970, 71, there was no such term as heavy metal. The term heavy metal came up in the Born to be Wild song by Steppenwolf, but it was not used to you know, denote a, a genre of music just yet. I don't actually know when they started calling it that. But Baltimore was a metal band out and out from day one. They did two albums on a major label. And I was privileged to play with two of those guys later on in the 70s and called them my friends. Uh, one of them, two of them are sadly passed by now. One of the other aspects of um, the record, which, uh, you know, because I, I also, I'm, I'm an avid reader. You know, I like a lot of weird fiction. and Yeah, I Lovecraft, I think, is yeah, one of my favorites. Yeah, definitely. Poe, of course, Poe. Yep. Edgar Allan Poe, of course. Have you heard of uh, Robert Block? Yeah, Robert Block's, uh, yeah, he's one of, um, I'm trying to yeah, think. I'm looking at my bookshelf right now. I there's have, uh, Shirley Jackson, of course, who wrote yep. The Haunting, which is my all-time favorite ghost story. Yep. Uh, Ambrose Bierce, August Derleth, people like yep. that. Clark Ashton Smith. Yeah, yeah. This, I, I, so much of that stuff I read long ago, I don't even remember a lot of it. Oh, I wrote the liner notes, too, on God, if you're interested. Yeah, I, I didn't realize that. Yeah, I wrote the liner notes. I, I came up with the title. Even the font. I, Steph, was, uh, he liked some stuff that I was doing by hand one day, some lettering, because I always like doing that kind of stuff, you know. And he says, I like that, you know. And I believe he liked it so much that he found it, you know, somewhere, something similar to it. And that's what you see in our booklet, something like I say similar to it. Which is kind of flattering. He likes he likes a lot of what I do, you know. And I do the best I can. That's basically it. Well, I, I hope like the next record doesn't take. Uh, was it like five years? Five years. <laughs> like, I hope. Yeah, that kind of makes that makes two of us, my friend. <laughs> yeah, I hope it was very grueling one. at times, but you know we were going toward this focus goal, if you will, and we knew it was going to take a while. We talked a little bit about writing and. Um, you know the uh the influence of like the weird fiction stuff on the you know yeah. and, and mythology and like all that stuff i want to talk a little bit about that on the lyrics the manifestations i'd like to say yeah. i was influenced and very inspired i guess is a better word pardon that phone ringing in the back it's my cell i'm just ignoring it yeah all right <clears throat> uh did you ever see the ten commandments i'm sure you have oh yeah yeah Charles are Nelson. you familiar when God, supposedly, the voice of God is uh, giving Moses the holy tablets. Yeah. And he's, you know, on, on the Mount, what was it, Mount Ararat, I believe, and uh, the Israelites were down in the valley there, and Moses was gone for 40 days and nights. They thought he was gone. I mean, I don't know. And I was always inspired from when I was a little kid when I saw that movie. It came out in 1956. I was five years old. My parents took us to see it, me and my sister. And uh, I was always very impressed by the way those words were spoken. And I kind of wanted to emulate that a little bit. I don't know if you picked up any any of that. No, but that is interesting because... It's uh, a biblical way of speaking. I like the language. I like the way things are said. Yeah. Um, I just like the way it sounds. And I sort of had that in mind when I was doing these manifestations, uh, which I also wrote. And uh, Steph told me the concept and the idea kind of what he wanted to do, sort of. 
I kind of went with it. He gave me like a key phrase or two, just a few words. And apparently that was enough uh, to send my mind into a direction. And that's how I came up with that stuff. And I went into this whole thing about the earth, which was once known as Gaia. And uh, that's my whole thing there. It's all me. I, we started out very apocalyptic. You know, I'm almost warning. It's almost like a godlike voice warning mankind that he has erred, very seriously erred, and that there are going to be consequences. And uh, it's very apocalyptic. And then it kind of gradually gets more, as it goes, it gets more into the more of a light kind of thing. And a, a, a resolution, if you will. You know? I have a whole other thing, like I told you, I wrote kind of like a tangent right off of that, right off those manifestation things. And I went with it, and they kind of like it. I already sent them copies, and the artist even wants to work with me on this, and she wants to sort of echo my voice in the background with her own voice, which is a very interesting idea, I thought, and we're going to try it. Uh, I went off on a whole tangent, and it kind of goes back a bit into darkness. Let's not forget this is doom metal now. <laughs> yeah. So I'm trying to keep it in a little, do, you know, a little doomy. You know, we don't want to go all the way to the light and just stay there because that kind of gets a little boring. So we sort of have to return to the darkness again. And uh, that's kind of what I did. And again, once again, it does resolve. And at the end, you know, at the risk of being redundant, I have yet to figure if I really want to do this or not. He likes it, and Voss likes it, and Ava likes it, so that's good enough for me. I'm going to try to work work something out of this. And I'm I'm almost sure we, we could probably work another album out of it, or at least a part of it, you know, have it be part of another album. Steph's got some evil, he's got some new evil riffs, man, let me tell you. Oh, you haven't heard anything yet. Woof. We were working on something just yesterday. It's like the heaviest of the heavy, my God. I said to him, where do you come up with this stuff? He's like Tony Iommi to the umph degree, you know? The, the riffmeister of, of the original metal riffmeister, Iommi. And uh, to me, he is heavy metal. Tony Iommi started heavy metal. Black Sabbath. Blue Cheer, I always loved them too. They were even t two years before Black Sabbath. You must have heard of them. Yeah, the first thing I heard by them was their cover of uh, Summertime Blues. Oh, that's their first album, Vincibus Eruptum, which yep. in Latin means We Conquer Chaos. Yes, I love I, that. I love that, man. I it's either We Conquer Chaos or Controlled Chaos, but the word chaos is in there somewhere, and it sounds like it. That first album is uh, unlike anything you've ever heard before or since. I remember uh, reading Cream Magazine. and uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. That, like, yeah. When I was like a little kid trying to figure out, like, all these things I've been, you know, because this is way before the internet, so. Oh, yeah. You'd pick up little bits and pieces of intel here and there about different bands. You'd read something, and I'd read Cream Magazine, and Cream Magazine, for the most part, made fun of heavy metal, but I thought it was cool, so that's how I picked up all these names. Yeah, and I well, thought, they all got egg on their faces now, huh? people who made fun of this. Yeah, you know, and I thought, I thought Vince Buster Ruptum was, like, one of the coolest, you know, because at, yeah. at the same time, I was reading about, like, you know, Roman mythology and, like, Robert E. Howard and all this other stuff. So that, huh? that title sounded like some sort it's of... Latin, like, yeah. Yeah, Latin, yeah. you know. They were serious business. That album is serious. That, I would say, that is kind of the unofficial start of metal. A lot of people would concur, you know. They, they really see, blue, as I also do, they really see Blue Cheer as the real start of that really harsh, loud... 
it was basically blues, psych, psych blues, and very over-amplified blues super, and psych, I guess you could say. Super aggressive, though. Like oh, more, but very aggressive. Yeah, way very more harsh. Aggressive, way more aggressive. Harsh vocals, other. harsh, everything was harsh, and feedback up the kazoo. Yep. And uh, then Hendrix uh, kind of, they took what Hendrix was doing and went with it, you know, even farther, I felt. And then, of course, came Black Sabbath two years later. Yeah. And then the rest, I guess, is history, you know. Uh, but to me, Blue Cheer was the really the first really aggressive sounding band that there was, I think, and I believe a lot of people also agree with that. Yeah, you know, and and Sabbath, you know, they brought more like that kind of evil, you know, vibe to it. You know, yeah, they brought in all the occult stuff, which I also love. I yeah, I read a lot about that stuff too. You know, witchcraft and you know all the satanic stuff. I'm I do listen to black metal and oh, cool. death metal. Yeah. You know, I. I do not espouse their orthodoxy, you know, but I do like the music. I like the presentation. I like the symbolism, maybe except for the inverted crosses, maybe. But right. I'm a I'm a merciful fate, King Diamond, Bathory, oh, yeah. Celtic Frost, uh, you know, Venom fan as well, and you know all of that shit. To me, it's all Halloween, Mike. People get into it and they take it too seriously. I think you know all the imagery. I find interesting, mostly the. Uh, Mostly the black magic and occult imagery, you know, the imagery. And I'm certainly not into that stuff personally. I just, uh, it's fun. It's like, what well, it's Halloween to me. That's it. I don't regard it any more seriously than that. It's just another phase that metal went through. And there have been many. Gaia lives anew. To the fanfare of celestial trumpets. Bathed in the light of a thousand suns. She slumbers in the glow of the firmament's stars and of her moon. With verdant beauty restored, crystal waters refreshed and rich with life. Her bounty rejuvenated and plentiful. And upon her fertile lands shall dwell a new and vital seed who will outshine all those of the past, enlightened and resolved its conviction to repeat no transgression of its errant forebears. Oh, I know Steph from way back in the 90s when I first started with Hansel and Gretel. He was in the band called Thorn. Mm-hmm. And we did some shows together. Um, and we've, we were all in the same circles, you know, all the clubs in the Lower East Side and all that. And we just all knew each other. And that's how I know him. But, uh, yeah. And then after that era finished, I had, I didn't see him for many years until he called me like a few years ago over maybe, no, maybe five years ago. He called me out of the blue and said, Hey, it's Stefan Flam. And, you know, I got this project. Are you interested? And I was like, what? And then he disappeared for two years, and then he called me three years ago, and he said, okay, I'm ready. I'm like, okay, let's do this. 
So that's how long I know him from the 90s. Yeah, that's that's kind of the thing that blew me away about this whole project is that it's been this long sort of journey. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, years go by. There's this idea and then it gets put on hold for a bit. And um, Mm -hmm. and then you guys all come back and finally the record comes out. And like I said, it's an amazing piece of, uh, of art, in my opinion. Thank you so much. It was a very slow, long process. I mean, when I first met with him in early at 2017, that's when I first started. And, you know, he would send me a song. We would discuss it. And then and then he would send me another song and then another song. And then it became so many songs. And I'm like, how many more songs do you want to do? But yeah, it was very laborious and slow. But you know, it, it flowed easily. It was natural. It wasn't forced like we have a deadline. It was like, it is what it is. Let it just create itself. So one of the things he talked about in our, uh, you know, the episode we did together was how the, there was like, there's essentially a storyline or a narrative with the record and it has to mm-hmm. do with light and dark, you know, darkness. And He would bring me a song and it would have a working title. And then I would take that working title and we would sit down and discuss it. We would have some beers and talk about what we want to talk, what we want to sing about, what it meant. And he said he just wanted everything to be otherworldly. And I said, oh, you got it. That's in my wheelhouse. I'm all about all that stuff. (laughs) And um, it just I would just take his title and then listen to the music and then start writing write down ideas or write down words and it just slowly built until before you know it, I had the lyrics together and there you go. But um, it was a lot of work, but I am very cathartic and um, I totally enjoyed it because I really loved the doom music that whole, I've never done doom music before. So it really fit it. It fit right into my, my inner moodiness. <laughs> yeah. So it all kind of, it, it all just fell into place. Um, but I didn't have in mind, I didn't have a storyline per se. I just created what I felt was what I wanted to say. Um, and then it kind of all fell into place with what I said and what Tony created and how Stefan looked at it and figured it all out as a storyline. Well, it's funny that you mentioned Doom because uh, you know, I'm familiar with your other work and uh, it seems like you're an old natural to this type of stuff, even yeah. though, you know, like Cycle Sluts are like a rock and roll kind of band, you know, um, and, uh, you know, Hansel and Gretel is industrial. And I guess that's like uh, a testament to just anyone out there who thinks they know an artist by their past work. Most, mm. like, most likely they're into all kinds of stuff. So I think that's really cool. Uh, I mean, to be a true artist, you have to have a wide space. You have to love everything. You have to know everything. I just, you know, I, I don't understand how some people can just write one type of music all the time or just listen to one style all the time. It's just so confining. But, uh, yeah, exactly. All kinds of music. I'm uh, someone who likes to read lyrics and, uh, you know, get into the, the whole uh, vibe. Yes. Yeah, so um, some of the stuff that, uh, really, um, that I picked up is there's a lot of, uh, references to, uh, what I, what I would call, you know, witchcraft and, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the occult 
uh, mythology uh-huh. and that added a whole other dimension to the music that really resonated with me because that's like a lot of my interests also lie uh, uh-huh. you know in the occult and you know esoteric stuff so is yeah obviously that's something that you have uh, a deep understanding of so is is that something that you know you've been into for years I have always, for example, been into astrology ever since I remember my life. I've always been interested in that sort of thing. And I just know about it. I'm really into it. I read about it. Uh, witchcraft, you know, I mean, you know, that's just based magic. That's just, you know, your intention and making things happen. But I just love that whole, you know, esoteric world and uh, just f- the other day i just wanted to tell you i you know i was walking through the streets and i was listening re-listening to the songs right so i'm listening to cosmic blood and um i stopped in my tracks because what i wrote in that song is exactly what's happening in 2020 and i said holy crap how did i know that it was like such a weird premonition because i wrote about um uh the chaos of Pluto, the dark force rising, the sacred destroyer, Saturn is my death. And that's exactly what happened this year with Pluto and Saturn conjuncting, you know, if you want to talk astrology. So, and I was like, holy crap, that scares, that scared me when I, when I realized that. But anyways, yeah, so I know a lot about this stuff. Um, it's just something that you should know about because there's a whole other world outside of the 3D world. You mentioned Saturn and Pluto conjuncting. So people out there might that are listening to this might not mm-hmm. might not actually know or understand what that means. So can you yeah, I know. expand on that a little bit, please? Okay, so Saturn was the planet of restriction and Pluto is the Saturn of transformation conjuncted this year in January, which means they're at the same exact uh, place in the sky. And um, that creates struggle and chaos and and which is what exactly happened uh difficulty and struggle which is exactly what happened this whole year to the whole planet earth and that we're slowly moving away from that and now we have another conjunction that's happening actually as we speak between saturn and jupiter moving into aquarius which is going to start a whole new (laughs) new another 20 years like a whole new renaissance of different world happening but i you know i don't want to confuse everyone because astrology is not for everybody but uh it's always interesting to understand it as a way to know how everything kind of works there's also uh, a lot of other sort of mythological uh you know archetypes and and all these these um Mm. references Mm-hmm. within the, within the music so uh you know that that's really what i wanted to talk about is the lyrics and how that built up from from the ideas of the original you know kind of getting together and some of these uh ideas that were put into the music because i i also am really pretty pretty interested in mythology yeah uh all kinds you know egyptian you know roman yeah. greek all that kind of stuff you know yeah well, I don't know. I'm not an expert in mythology. I know of the Greek gods and all this and that. And then um, um, Stefan gave me the song Night. And then I said night. That in Greek, it's Nikta. And Nyx is the goddess of night in Greek. And then I just researched. And then I found all these really cool Greek ancient words like moros, 
uh, and onidos and all those really cool, like dark words and mythology. And, and I just blended it all together because it sounded so awesome, because that's also very important when you write lyrics. It has to have a good sound to it when you sing it. Um, and as far as like other other mythological characters like Kronos, um, you know, stuff that I've known. I mean, Kronos is time, Kronos is Saturn. Um, and it's just stuff that I just took from whatever knowledge of my entire life and threw it on a piece of paper and just wrote it. Um, but I love to blend in the mythology with the astronomy, the astrology and the mystical, because that's how that's what I know and that's what I feel. And you bring that into your reality as all, well. you know, you, you, you bring in what you feel on your daily basis and you put them, put it all to blend it all together. And you have these, these lyrics. Now your voice. Yes. I, uh, you know, like I'm, like I said, I listened to cycle sluts, uh, you know, Hansel and Gretel and like, it sounds like completely different. So how mm -hmm. did you develop that? Stentorian, you know, vocal approach on this record. Well, I'm telling you, look, I that's the only way I know how to sing. I'm a guttural singer and I have, you know, improved. Like in the beginning of the cycle slits, I would lose my vote, my voice all the time. I had no idea what I was doing. Then I finally took some vocal lessons. And after I took vocal lessons, I never lost my voice. There's a process of doing it. I'm you're a singer. Right. Yeah. I'm sure you you have a method to it, but the I, it's just how I feel It's just how I'm built. I, I, if, you, if you ask me, go sing a song normally. I'm like, I can't do that. I could only do the guttural death vocal that comes from your from your solar plexus all the way out into the ozone, <laughs> you know. Um, but, after, you know, and after so many years of screaming, like, oh, my God, um, it just gets better, I guess. Um you know, after like a month of touring, I don't lose my vocals, but I sound like a truck driver if I'm talking to somebody. <laughs> hey, how you doing there, pal? <laughs> That's awesome. That happened to me too, actually. I, yeah, by the end of the tour, I sound like, I mean, I probably sound gruff right now too, but I'm even worse at the end of the tour for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're a truck driver. Your hands are all, your hands are all swollen. Your nails are all gone and you're black and blue all over your body. I'm like, how did this happen? Oh, the good old days of touring. I miss it. Did you uh, check out that Melissa Cross uh, lesson by any chance? Was that the. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Yeah. That, yes. That, I, I, yes. I think my lawyer from a long time ago was working with her. Yeah. I know all about that. But I, the, the vocal teacher I had, she was from Seattle and she was teaching all the, the, the grunge people back then. She, her, she taught Lane Sta Stanley, Staley. Staley, Lane Staley. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm like, he's an amazing singer, but she really taught me how, you know, how to go into my, your head voice, go from your stomach into your head voice. You never use your throat. And uh, that plus your attitude, plus your, I think it also has to do with how you're feeling. You know, when you're really pissed off and angry, that voice comes out of you like, 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 like butter. You know what I mean? It yeah, just yeah. happens. It's all emotion. So how did you guys find the recording process? Because my understanding was that uh, a lot of it was done sort of piecemeal <laughs> over the years. Uh, it was done in like a, like a private studio, essentially, like a, like a project studio, I guess. Oh, with Godin? Yeah. 
Okay, so what happened in the beginning, like, he would just send me the songs and I d- would demo it at home, like on my regular SM58 right into my computer, like really simple. And then he said, okay, we're going to go to his brother's studio. His brother has a recording studio in his house. And so I went to the vocal booth and I started singing in there and it was laborious. And I went take another take and do this and that. And then afterwards it was like, you know, this is really stupid let's just you can do it at your house let's get a really good microphone so i got an re20 what i got a electro voice re20 microphone which is amazing for like throat singers oh my gosh yeah the stuff that that you use for like uh audit for like radio talking you use that for recording heavy vocals it's brilliant anyway so i plugged that into my little studio here and i sang everything i recorded all the vocals by myself i chopped everything up i cleaned it up and i gave them the 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 files and that was it and then it got mixed but um as far as him i mean i'm sure stefan told you how he records everything yeah he works with a couple of drummers and then he invited like he's like the mastermind. He's like the great Oz. He like invited all these people who did, you know, violins and uh, guitarists and all kinds of people and created this thing called God. And so, you know, he got files from all kinds of people and put it all together. Did, on you, his own. did you like doing the, the the vocals on your own better than you would like in the studio? Because that sounds like really relaxing, actually. Absolutely, because no, you're not on anybody else's time. You're not in a weird environment. You're in your home. You're at your desk. You're like, it's so, I, I love it. And plus, you, be, you can be more creative because if, you know, I've been doing it for so many years, I know exactly what to do. You know, if you don't know what to do, maybe you need some help. But if you know what you're doing, it's much easier that way. I recommend it. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny because uh, I, I know it's only been recently that I've actually gotten comfortable with singing in a booth. Uh, it's it's such an alien thing, you know, as opposed yeah. to like practice and all that. And uh, yeah, it's a very especially if you're you're geared up like I'm sure you are for the live experience and, you know, being in front of your amp and everything and mm-hmm. to be in a vocal booth with everything isolated and your vocals I hate it. like pushed really loud and ah, man, it's disorienting. I don't like it. Don't... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're isolated. What I did actually, the first two songs we did was Igor Imeyi at his, at his, at his uh, brother's studio, Chris Flam. And, um, uh, totes, I think. Yeah. And it was laborious and it was, you know, I, I just felt like, Oh, but everything else I did on my own. Did you like have to like, you know, turn the lights out and like, you know, light candles and stuff like that to get the atmosphere. No, <laughs> come on. I like atmosphere no. myself. Some so people like that. I, I, I just, like I, that. I do the same thing. I do you exactly like that. that. You like it all moody and stuff. Oh, yeah, and then definitely. That's when you get into it. I yep. just, you know, like, okay. Um, I just close my eyes and I imagine I just do it on my own. I just close my eyes and scream my guts out and my neighbors just love me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and I don't, you know, when I do it in the house, I don't have a vocal booth. I'm in my my room here. It's like, it's, you know, I did, I did face the wall. I did make sure that I had a little padding around me, but it wasn't like uh, anything extreme. But yeah, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. 
Now, 2020 obviously uh, kind of destroyed everyone's plans for. Oh, it was uh, a wonderful year, the best year ever. <laughs> did you um, have? Did, was there anything that you took away from this past year that was positive? That I uh, I can survive by myself in a meditative state and be okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like. In the beginning, it was kind of like, oh, so, so frightful, absolutely frightful. Like, oh, my God, what is this thing? Are we all going to die? Like, what is this shit? You know, and then then you realize, okay, it's not that that, that bad. Um, but um, uh, it's okay to let go of your normal life. Just let it go. Accept each day for what it is. Be grateful and 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 basically that's it and eventually everything is going to flow into another existence but just be the best you can be and be healthy <laughs> don't drink too much like i did the first few months <laughs> but uh yeah that's basically it really just just accept what it is and just be the best you can be don't freak out too much well thanks Voss. i appreciate it and uh you know, you gave us uh, a pretty good insight into one of the, I guess, a triumvirate of uh, what made up Garden. Well, I'm glad I could do that. And I'm, I'm actually, I th I'm thankful to Stefan for giving me the opportunity to, to step out of my norm and do something different that I've been so used to doing. And uh, I appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to uh, doing some more songs with him because we're, we're going to continue doing some things here and there. I took that as a given, man. I figured with such a powerful, like, first re record, there's definitely more stuff yeah. in the chamber, you know. I'm so honored that uh, we were chosen on the Decibel Magazine number 10 out of 40. I was like, what? I mean, wow. I mean, I'm really honored and blessed and grateful. And thank you so much for having us as your number two. Uh, I really appreciate it. I really do. That's it for this week's episode of Metal Matters, an official Gimme Metal podcast. Tune in next week and see what we have in store for you. This show is available on all streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, etc. Also, be sure to check out Gimme Metal, streaming on the web, iOS, or Android. For one of the best metal communities, exclusive merch, interviews, and so much more. I'll catch you guys next week. Take care.